Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, this is the Ayers and welcome to Ayers on the Road. We're glad to be back with you today and we're especially happy to be finishing up this eight-part series on the eight myths of marriaging. I hope you've had a chance to listen to some of the other seven. Oh man, if you have, probably some of you are saying, wow, I'm glad that's over. How many myths are there? a long time. (laughs) (laughs) There are more myths. We could have gone on and on. We might do a volume two. When it comes to marriage, there's a lot of myths. Uh, There certainly are. And actually, we have to say before we start though on this last myth, which is kind of a a good one. It makes kind of a positive feel one. good one. Yeah. Um, but I do have to say that we are up at Bear Lake. We are looking out at a gorgeous day here. It is absolutely wonderful. It's been hot, but wonderful, and uh, that's why we like it. I like it hot. Well, and we, yeah, you do like it hot. And we're just in the preparation, the intense preparation stage for our family reunion. And I just don't want to brag, but I'll tell you, when it comes to the Ayers, we have a big deal reunion. <laughs> There's nothing small about this reunion. We do. All those poor little pawns that are working around, uh, it really is amazing what they come up with. What do you mean, the poor little pawns? Well, I mean, they have to do it, but there's a lot of stuff to do, and they are very creative. It is so fun. She's talking about our children. Our the, children, It rotates yeah. among them, our little pawn children. <laughs> it rotates among them every year, and it's Jonah and Asia's turn this year, and boy, oh boy, they're creative folks. We, we never know exactly what's going to happen when it comes to the reunion. We have to wait and see. And uh, we're just as surprised as everyone else. There's always a theme. There's always t-shirts. There's always a tennis tournament. There's always water skiing. But mainly, there's all kinds of personal interaction. We are big on reunions. Well, the thing is, for Joan and Asia, luckily they only have to do it once every nine years, which is (laughs) really good. But this year just happens to be the year they decided to leave Hawaii about a month ago and start in New York City uh, with a college tour of their oldest daughter, which is amazing. We have another grandchild getting ready to go to college, although she has one oh, more man, year Oh, makes school. us feel older and older, all these college grandkids. And now they have progressed across the United States, going to all the church history sites of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it has really been an amazing experience. They Camping ended, out every night, driving well, along in their G-Wagon that runs on vegetable oil. <laughs> that Noah, Noah, I mean, Jonah ran over to the Netherlands and picked up, I'm not sure where he got that, Finland <laughs> somewhere. And uh, he had it sent over here and was waiting for him in New York City. And they've been driving, and except for they just ended with a handcart coming through at coming through the big canyon where all the pioneers came through and they we saw them out there in their bonnets and melting in the heat so all of this i don't know why we're, we're off on a tangent well, the reason is some of you know we go off on a little bit of a tangent well no there's a reason for this i'm saying they have to organize the reunion while they're right, doing all right. this crazy stuff which while they're is doing it. hard for them but they are great they do it so it's a family time for a lot of you too summer times are 
times for reunions and get-togethers and hot dogs and watermelons and it's a great great time of the year for families and we are just so excited when we gather up all these kids there's nothing like it I mean when we all really have our heads on straight we realize that it's our families that matter it's our families that are our legacies we also realize that no families perfect or even close to it, that all families have issues and problems and relationship breakdowns and all kinds of things. And that's kind of what mortality is all about, you know? Wow. It's quite a life to live with family and uh, it's never easy, but it's also filled with moments of joy. It is really never easy. We have always some problems going on either in our family somebody's worried about something or something bad has happened or in our extended family we realize there are always issues there's always things to work out and things to worry about but i guess that's part of the deal part of the deal and it all starts with the marriage now again we know there are a lot of you listening who are single parents or who are single and wonder why you should even listen to something about marriage if you're not married right at this time well, or do you think there's anybody out there that's not married or hasn't ever been married? Wow, kudos to you if you if you're in that. Oh, situation. you mean if there's anyone there who's listening? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think so because marriage is an interesting subject, and maybe you could make an argument, Linda, that the best time to think about marriage and what the myths are of marriage and how to get it right and so on the best time to listen to that sort of thing is before you're married right that is really so if true. any of you are out there you know thinking about a possible future marriage we welcome you to the show as well exactly and this particular show uh, doesn't require marriage <laughs> no in fact this is a lesson in sociology we're going to talk about today the state of marriages in today's world and we think you'll find it interesting and let me just say before we launch into it the other seven myths that we've covered in in previous shows are instantly available if you want to pick them out listen to them maybe listen to one the first part of anyone and find out if it's something that really interests you and finish listening the two easiest ways, one is just go to byuradio.org and go to our show, Ayers on the Road, and just look at the list of the myths. They'll be over the last seven or eight weeks. And just click on them and listen to them. Or our favorite is podcasts. Let's face it, Linda, podcasts are awesome. You can listen to them anytime. Any podcast app that you happen to have on your phone you can type in Ayers on the Road and you can look at the list of shows and you can listen to them anytime, anywhere. So, with that, let's go to marriage myth number eight. This is a good one. The myth. Marriage is on the decline and disappearing as an institution. This is the myth of marriage's demise. And as Linda just read, most of the world believes that marriage is on the decline and is disappearing as an institution, but here's the truth. The strongest, most fulfilling marriages in the history of the world exist today. Now think about that, juxtaposition those two. Statistically, marriage is in trouble. Less people getting married, more people getting Fewer. divorced. Yeah. Fewer people having enduring marriages. Um, more and more couples choosing to cohabitate without getting married. 
so you could look at all those numbers and say, wow, marriage is in big, big, big trouble. But here's the truth. As we travel around the world, we are finding more strong, equal, partnership marriages than we think have ever existed in the history of the world. Don't romanticize about the 50s or the 60s, Ozzie and Harriet, Leave it to Beaver, all those things where the dad went to work and the mom stayed home and they were just a happy family and everything was great. A lot of those marriages weren't near as great as we think they were because there was a lot of inequality a lot of male dominance, a lot of stereotype roles, and luckily we're getting past those today. So we feel like even though statistically you could say marriage is in trouble, the fact is the best marriages in the history of the world are happening right now. Well, it's so interesting. I mean, think about, I don't know too much about my grandparents' marriages, um, I know they worked hard together. It was mostly about working together. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I know they stayed together because they had a big family and there was no recourse. But I don't know how, how great well did their they relationship, how, how well yeah. did they do. I don't know. How equal were those partnerships? Yeah. And, of course, there's every kind of partnership is different. When I think about my parents and your parents, um, they certainly had good marriages you know they they were fine my mother was a type a personality that was go go get it done and my dad was one of the most laid-back kind gentle people in the world and so how they made that work i'm not quite sure they, either, didn't, they didn't communicate a lot sometimes. i don't think they talked a lot um because my dad is not a talker but isn't it interesting that you don't know how your parents really were because you didn't see it very often it's just that they made the family work yeah and what we're saying is that we really do believe that the good marriages today are more open more communicative more equal more partnership oriented more oneness oriented than the marriages of any other time in the world partly because we've got technology we've got a lot of things going for us that help us communicate and we've got an image of equality well i do have to say though that there are some, maybe the nastiest marriages of all time too. I mean, there are some really nasty divorces because it's kind of the thing to do when you get unhappy about your spouse or whatever. And, and that's one reason that the divorce rate's gone up just because people are more aware of the fact that they can do that. Um, let's, so, read, let's read anyway. some of the sub-myths that go with this myth number eight about marriage's demise. And let's try to set ourselves straight on some of these before we go to break. So here's a sub-myth. Educated people are not getting married today. That is a myth. Because today is the college educated people more than any other demographic that are getting married and staying married. Did you know that? The place marriage is in trouble in society today is among the working class. And it's a sad thing. A lot of a lot of non-educated people, basically non-college educated people, basically are saying, I can't afford marriage, it's a luxury. I can live with someone, but I can't afford to marry them and I can't afford to have kids. And that's a tragedy, but, but the part of this myth is that it's educated people not getting married. That's exactly wrong. It's college educated people who are getting married and who are staying married. Here's another sub-myth. 
Most people in today's world no longer want to get married or be married. And the truth is, poll after poll, public opinion polls show that over 90% of people want to be married. Now, that doesn't mean they are married or that they've found the right person yet, but it's a myth to say that people don't want to get married. And the third sub-myth that we want to think about today, marriage is simply not as relevant or as useful as it once was in society. Boy, that is you a hear huge that myth. all the time, absolutely. But the truth about that is, given the disconnected, polarizing, fracturing, temporary and transient nature of today's culture, the bonds and connections and commitments of marriage have never been more important or more needed. And all the statistics show that married couples earn more money, live a better life, have more stability, report more joy in everything from intimacy to recreation. It's just a powerful institution. So after we come back from a brief break, we are going to get a little more deeply into this fact that we should be optimistic about marriage and society, not pessimistic. There are a lot of problems, but there are also the best marriages in the world happening today. It's a wonderful time for marriage. So hang on and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back with Iyers on the Road talking about the final myth of marriaging. Myth um, number eight, the myth of marriage's demise. Well, let me just say, Linda, you know, um, like we said in the first half of the show, if we only look at the numbers, the statistics and the trends and the polls, the future of marriage looks pretty dark indeed. And, you know, what is often called traditional marriage between a man and a woman is getting hit hard from all four sides. Think about this, four sides. On one side, divorce rates continue to, to a high level. On a second side, marriage rates keep falling as people choose to stay single. From the third side, cohabitation replaces marriage for more than two-thirds of couples. And on the fourth side, the gay marriage movement and other forms of relationships can tend to push traditional marriage aside. So if you take that together, you could conclude that this is a devastating blow and that marriage is just not going to happen and that the results may be catastrophic. And that's an easy conclusion to get to because Without marriages, there will be a continual decline in family and in having children and in birth rate and in parenting. And you're gonna have situations where who does the things that only families can do, the nurturing, the procreation, the raising of children, the caring of elderly people, on and on and on. How would the world survive without families? So you can really get in a depressed sort of state of analysis if that's all you think about. Well, it really is interesting because it is kind of depressing when you see friends getting divorced, often on, on every side, younger friends as well as older friends. And that's what you become, you know, upset about and worried about and so on. And as sometimes it seems like we're just surrounded with it. But the bottom line is really, some of the very best marriages that have ever existed exist now. 
it really is a true fact. So we're kind of going dark side, light side here to, to flesh this in. There's a demographer named Joel Kotkin who, who has some interesting quotes. We're back on the dark side here now. Today in the high income world and even in some developing countries, there is a shift to a new social model. Increasingly, family no longer serves as the central organizing feature of society. Kotkin points out that the ramifications of this shift, some of them are political. A society that is increasingly single and childless is likely to be more concerned with serving current needs than with addressing the future-oriented requirements of children. Since older people vote more than younger ones and children have no say at all, political power could shift toward non-childbearing people. That could affect everything from climate change to all kinds of other issues. So statistically, we've been moving away from the married with kids model for some time, and that movement away has picked up momentum in the last decade. Here's what David Brooks of the New York Times, one of our favorite columnists, has pointed out. He says that in, a, in 2011, so this is a while, this has been going for a while, in a 2011 survey, a majority of Taiwanese women under 50 said they did not want to have children. This is women of childbearing age from 20 to 40s or 50. How many children do you want to have? None. A majority are saying none. So you can see that there is this psychological trend away from being married and having children. Well, and I don't know, a few years ago, 62% of Japanese women yeah. did not want children because, even if they were married, because they have spent so much time on working on a career, and it is the culture of Japan that when you have children, you stay home with the children. They just were not willing to give that up. So they were just like, okay then, I just don't want kids. And it'll make life a lot easier. And that, that is a scary thing. That's the statistic. It, it's so sad to us because it, we feel like they're missing so much joy in their lives. But here's the bright side again, turning, turning this around. Surveys show that the fastest growing segment of society that does embrace marriage is no longer the religious sector as it once was, although most religions do continue to have pro-marriage effects on their adherents. The demographic group that is most likely to marry and stay married today are college-educated, upwardly mobile adults. What's interesting is they're not marrying or staying married because their faith tells them it's the right thing to do, although it, some are certainly influenced by their faith. They are doing it, and this is what they report on surveys, they're getting married because they have concluded that married with children, quote unquote, married with children is the most fulfilling and joyful way to live their lives. They're coming to the right conclusion just by observation and just by analysis. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I guess a lot of them are married with children. <laughs> And so that's the reason they've done this research. But it is really interesting. Well, I think of the young people that we know or that we associate with, they have absolutely terrific marriages. Especially our YPO friends. Yeah, absolutely. All over the world. Uh, we were just in Moscow a couple of weeks ago, and they have terrific marriages. And, and their children are delightful. I mean, there's always the issue of... Um, 
entitlement of they want too much and all that kind of stuff and they have too much social media and they have too much this and that but the point is they are totally on it when it comes to parenting and, and they're, they're not, working on it they're really yeah they're really great parents here's an interesting quote uh, there's a fellow named Richard Reeves who often writes for the Atlantic magazine and I really like how he says this a new version of marriage is emerging egalitarian committed and focused on children. There was a time when college-educated women were the least likely to be married. Today, they are the most important drivers of a new marriage model. Their marriages offer more satisfaction, they last longer, and they produce more successful children. He goes on to conclude, against all predictions, educated Americans are the ones who are rejuvenating marriage. Yeah, that is really exciting. It's so great. And, and educated doesn't have to mean a big diploma. Yeah. I mean, they're just educated in they're what thinking. it they're is. They're people who think. Yeah, what it is that makes you happiest, what it is that is most fulfilling, what, what you do with your life is just, it's really fascinating that people have come all the way around the block, so to speak, and come back to the main emphasis that family is the most important thing. And fathers, by the way, and you, many of you listeners are way ahead of us on this, fathers in this new model of marriage spend much more time with their children. They're much more likely to share household duties with their wives. And the great thing about it is, at least from our observation, these committed, aspiring families are not doing it out of duty, but out of joy. Yeah, that's the bottom line, isn't it? That's so exciting because there's so much joy in having a family. I mean, if you've just gone through a crisis with your family this week, you think, ah, oh, man, we just talked to our daughter a few minutes ago and she said she was meeting with some of her friends that she so dearly loved and they're here from London just for a minute. They sat down to have a picnic and somebody called one of the mothers and said, your, your son who is at basketball camp right now is throwing up all over the place. You, you gotta leave, you gotta come right now. And uh, he's, I think he was a long way away, a few miles away. So um, she jumped up and left. There's always a crisis every minute in having these kids. But wow, is there a lot of joy involved in, in doing that and being parents and being committed and really making a difference in the lives of children. So what we've got is this interesting time when educated Americans are getting married and staying married and, and less educated people are not. And the question is, where is it all going? And there's a wonderful study called the National Marriage Project. And in that study, the core conclusion is really interesting. The core conclusion is the most consequential marriage trend of our time concerns not the higher educated or the lower educated members of the population, but the broad center of our society the iconic middle-class institution where marriage is, to some degree, floundering. And here are the areas of statistical categories where there's been steep increases among moderately educated Americans and stability, or decreases among those with college degrees. So think about this. In the area of divorce or separation within 10 years of marriage, that number is going down among educated Americans and up among others. The percentage of births to never married women 
births to women who've never been married, that is going down among educated people and up among less educated. This is quite frightening in a way. The percentage of women who have had more than three sex partners, that number is going down among educated Americans, up among less educated Americans. Percentage of marriages who have had sex with someone other than their, their spouse, partners who have cheated on their spouse, that percentage, believe it or not, is going down among college-educated people and up among the rest of the population. What we're saying is people who are thinking, and I don't mean to equate education with thinking. A degree, yeah. But with, yeah not necessarily, but those who are really have their heads on straight are moving in a pro-marriage, pro-fidelity, pro-chastity direction while others are moving away from it. And that's a scary thing. So you got this dark side of statistics and this bright side, and here's the real clincher, Linda. Generally, it's the educated part of our population that sets the trends. So you could hope that what's happening now, stronger marriages, more lasting marriages, more fidelity within marriage, what's happening among college-educated people will become a trend that will affect all of society. That's what we can all hope for. Yeah, we do. We can. And I've noticed so many weddings lately amongst the Hollywood group. I mean, people that that people really admire or look up. I mean, not even that they admire, but they know well and they think they, they're really great talents and so on. They're getting married so often. Weddings are a big topic still, which is hopeful. Absolutely. So we're running out of time, but what we want to say... It's, it's kind of simple. If marriage goes down, pretty much the world goes down with it. And we're just hopeful that we're seeing so many good marriages now. It's going to be a positive trend. It's, it's like a pendulum, you know? And I think if you, you could argue that over the last 30 years there's been this pendulum swinging a little bit away from marriage generally, it's now starting to swing back. And people are saying, hey... How do I really want to live? How do I really want, what, what is my lifestyle? What will give me the most long-term joy? And people who ask that question are coming to the right answer. It really is true. And it really is hopeful. So before we leave you though on this, we have to wrap this up by saying that there are so many myths that are involved in marriaging. And we hope that we've convinced you that marriaging is a good verb. Yeah. Um, it's really, something you have to work at. It's something that you have to really work at. It's something that you have to really make something happen. And um, we hope that we've given you a few things to think about as we've gone through this little journey together. And if you've missed some of the myths, go back and listen to them again. And let us give you a quick preview of what we're <laughs> going to do next. Really quick. Over the last four decades, Linda and I, together, collectively have written 50 books. It's a little embarrassing. People say, how in the world did you write 50 books? Well, one at a time. And so we're gonna start reviewing one of those books each time, and that'll begin next week. So we hope you'll join us. See you then, bye-bye.